Today's first reading is from Nehemiah, the ninth chapter. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. And for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, and with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm for today is Psalm 96. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Today's second reading is from the book of Romans, the 10th chapter. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that it is based on the law that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. 
because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven, and they worshipped him and returning to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the Gospel of our Lord. said good morning earlier, but uh, welcome back to a Being Challenge here at Emmanuel. We are challenging you, friends and members of Emmanuel, to, to be like Jesus. 
And to do that, to practice five keystone habits of Jesus in your life. Now, we reviewed the importance of habits in our life uh, first week and looked at keystone habits. And again, keystone habits are just like any other habit, except that keystone habits are habits that unintentionally spill over and affect many other areas of your life. Change this habit and all of a sudden you have a, a cascade of other habits and life things that are just benefited by it. And so our goal in this 40-day challenge is to introduce five of Jesus' keystone habits into our lives so that we can be more like Jesus. So what keystone habits did Jesus have in his life that helped him and connect him and have relationship with God? Well, last week we introduced the keystone habit of being committed to community. Jesus was committed to his community. He was committed to his trinity. He was committed to this, uh, the three, then the 12, the 72, and the 500. He was committed to them. Last Sunday, and in the 40-day challenge workbook, each day this last week, we talked about the influence of community on our lives. And especially how it has to do with affecting the habits of our lives. We started with this commitment to community for a reason. Because you can set incredible goals. And you can start healthy habits in your life. Both that are pointing you in a God direction. But if those who are closest to you, and if the community around you are heading in a different direction, then we know from research and even from the Bible says that there is a high probability that in time, you will lose sight of your original God goals and you'll end up adopting the community's habits and then you'll start to move in that direction even if that direction is in opposition to God. So now that we focus on the community around us, today in this coming week, we're going to focus on the idea of studying Scripture, the habit of studying Scripture. There's a good number of reasons why the study of Scripture is, is wise and it's good, and it's healthy. Today we look at the importance of studying Scripture and how it will form and shape, a key word for us is, your identity. I'm going to present you with an interesting question. Let's go to that slide now. Do our habits shape our identity, or does our identity shape our habits? I want to argue that the answer is yes, both and. Here's why. The ancient word, this word identity, was originally derived from two Latin words. Essentitas, which means being, and identitim, which means repeatedly. So the Latin word that we have now for identity means this, literally, your repeated beingness. So your identity is literally your habits. It's intertwined. And this is what it tells us, is that your habits will shape your identity. And your identity will shape your habits. So where do we go in these days to find our identity? Who will tell us the truth about who we are? Many people in our world are suffering from what we would consider an identity theft. 
Many in our world have had their, their true identity stolen or exposed and misplaced in some way. And then a world's replacement, fraud replacement, has been in, in its place. Many find that their pri- primary identity is work or career. Think about it. You can say, I'm a teacher, and, or I'm a nurse, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a businessman, I'm a soldier. But what happens when the career ends? Who are you then? Are you struggling with the end because your identity was lost? Some find their identity in their families and in their friends or their friend groups. You know, like, well, I'm a mother or I'm a father or I'm a wife or I'm a husband or I'm a son or a daughter or I'm best friends with this group or this is my hometown and this is my home state. But what happens when the children grow up and leave? What happens to your identity when in a marriage crashes and breaks up? What happens to you when you have to move to a different town or a different state? What about your identity then? Some find identity in sports or hobbies or politics or even favorite sports teams. You know, like, I'm a volleyball player or I'm a football player or I'm a runner or I'm a cyclist or I'm a Democrat or a Republican or I'm a Chiefs fan or an an Arkansas fan or a Cubs fan. But what happens when you can no longer play the sport? What happens when your political parties betray God? What happens when your team fails all year to win games? What happens to your identity then? Friends, it's not healthy. It is not healthy for anyone to find their primary identity in anything, any activity, or any relationship in this world. And believe it or not, you cannot find your identity by just looking inside yourself, deeper into yourself. Only the one that made you, God, gets to decide who you are. And until you understand that and treasure your God identity, your life will not make sense. See, let's go to the next slide, I think. Apart from God, your life will not make sense. You will be living under a false identity and there will be no deep and lasting peace for you. And this is revolutionary for so many that have tried to succeed in this world and have found success or have tried to climb a work ladder and found themselves climbing higher and higher in this business world, tried to establish important relationships in your life and you found some meaningful and even loving people And yet at the end of it, when you risk taking time to slow down and to ponder life, you'll still be left wondering why you still feel empty and question your identity. You've got the marriage, you've got the family, you've got the friends, you've got the house, the car, the savings account, the vacations, and you're still not deeply satisfied. Why? Because we are made to be God's child. And until we step into that position as child of God, we will never be the person we were fully meant to be. Let's go to the next quote. A man named Pascal, he was a 17th century mathematician, philosopher, but he was also 
a Christ follower. He's a theologian. And he, he wrote these words. Not only do we know God through Jesus, but we only know ourselves through Jesus. We only know life and death through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, we cannot know the meaning of our life, the meaning of our death, the meaning of God, or the meaning of ourselves. It is only in Christ. What wise and insightful words He discovered and shared. Our primary identity is in Christ Jesus. Our primary habits are to be inspired and empowered by Jesus. We are to grow more and more in likeness of Him, the Son of God, in whose image we were made. This week, the keystone habit of Jesus that we adopt will be study Scriptures. Here's why. Jesus, even though He was fully God, He had a practice of studying Scriptures. Several instances, including the only story of an adolescent Jesus in the Bible, it will talk about how Jesus would go to the synagogue and he would, there He would learn and He would pray because He wanted to be in God's house hearing God's Word. On top of that, in the Gospels alone, there are over 80 instances of Jesus quoting Old Testament Scriptures. It's clear that Jesus had studied and had a thorough understanding of those words in His Holy Scriptures, these Old Testament Scriptures. The authority and power and truth of those Scriptures was revealed in Jesus' last moments. Today we read from Luke chapter 24. At this point in the story, Jesus has, has risen from the dead and the disciples hadn't seen Him yet, at least most of them. And for these disciples, it's been a long and hard and confusing last few days. For, for three years, everything was going right. And then, all of a sudden, it didn't. Their friend, their teacher, their Lord had been arrested, tortured, nailed on a Roman cross to die. And now they are filled with fear and they're hiding in a room. And now while they're hiding there, Jesus bursts in through this wall. It's like a ghost. They don't understand it because the doors are locked, the windows are shut, and now all of a sudden He's there. And then He begins to talk to them. And now look where the discussion goes. Let's go to this next verse. 24, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about Me in the Law of Moses the prophets, and the Psalms. Friends, in that pivotal, crucial moment, what does Jesus do? He points His friends to the different pieces of the Old Testament Scriptures. The Law, the Prophet, the Psalms. Jesus is telling them, all of those prophecies that I was telling you about, it's like, guys, it had to happen that way. We told you it was going to happen that way. They're that important. They had to be fulfilled. And I'm the one who fulfilled it. But then look at what Jesus does. The next verse, 45. Then He opens their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. Friends, one of the last miracles that Jesus does before He ascends to heaven is that He opens the Scriptures and He explains it to them. He's about to leave them. 
But before he does, he gives them the primary identity, establishing an internal truth. He's giving them the most important gift, the understanding of scriptures. He opens their minds so they can understand the word of God. This is why we invite everyone to participate in small groups and Bible studies. This is why we open the Bible every week on Sunday mornings. Old Testament, Psalms, New Testament, Gospel books. We do this every week. We do it, one, in obedience to God, two, because it's to gift the people of God with the Word of God, and then to help people understand the Scriptures, and then to help people to know God. And to know who they are to God. To establish our identity in the midst of a world that's always trying to replace our identity in God with our identity with the things in this world. There is something powerful in that Bible. Its words still somehow are active and alive and they touch us while we're here. And they stir up truth and they convict us and they comfort us while they're here. God's, work, God's working on us to make sure we have an identity. There's one more part to Jesus' final gift and instruction. Verses 46-47. to He told them, this is what is written, that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead and, and rise on the third day, that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Again, He's reiterating, the cross had to happen. And guys, in case all the hints and, and clues haven't come through to you yet, I'm the Messiah. I willfully endured the betrayals and the abuse and the cross. And I've proven to all creation and to you that sin does not have the final word. That death does not have the final word. That the evil one does not have the final word. God has a final word. And now that I've proven to you who I am, let me tell you who you are. Verses 48 to 49. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised. That was the Holy Spirit. And you're going to stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high with that Holy Spirit. But you are my witnesses. Your minds have now been opened up to the Scriptures. You will be holy and empowered by the Spirit. You are children of God. I have adopted you. I paid the price to adopt you. And Jesus is now asking them, He's asking us, that we will go and we will share this good news. We will share what we've learned and known about Jesus. We will share the story. Share what we've seen, what we've heard, the things that have happened. That we'll share the love of God. We'll share it with our friends and our neighbors. Look at the final thing that Jesus does in Luke's Gospel before He returns to His Father. He opens their minds to understand the Scriptures. And as He does so, He displays who He is and He reveals who you are. Your identity, your reason, and your purpose. This is what Scripture does. 
studying Scripture will lead you and I to discover the truth. Who God is. Who you are. And what you're purposed to be. The last work was this one. Verse 53. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. That goes right back to what we said last week. Community. They weren't alone. They huddled every day in the temple courts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and they held everything in common. This community would not be refused the opportunity to be in the temple together, no matter what the threats, what the persecutions, it didn't matter. They were so full of joy of Jesus that they came together and they remembered His words. With that said, we have our closing prayer and we'll say this prayer together. Next slide. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to be a church community that wants to follow Jesus and have His habits. Help us come together to develop the habits that Jesus had. And Father, continue to open our minds to the Holy Scriptures. Help us to be a Christ-like influence on the people in our lives and community. Amen. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, we ask that you continue to call us to serve your holy purposes. We ask that you continue to look upon us with mercy and patience as we do our best to bring you into our homes and lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As you enter into our messy and confused worlds, we ask that you bring direction, hope, and peace so that we might have the ability, strength, and courage to follow the example of your Son. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, your will is that all people would be presented your good news. Repent, confess, follow your will, and be saved. Lord, if it gives you glory, make your will come to life within each person of Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Reform us to be your faithful people, Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we ask that you inspire the hearts and minds of leaders around the world so that they might personally submit to you as Lord and Savior. We ask that you work through global and local leaders to bring relief to the poor, peace to places of war, and freedom for all. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, look with favor upon all who mourn loved ones all who are under excessive life stress, all who are wounded by sin, and all who are in need of healing, especially those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy, 
Hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray. We will trust in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we boldly pray. Amen. Amen.